Well, all of a sudden, it feels like the North Carolina Tar Heels have joined the Big Ten. They played at Indiana. They just played Ohio State on Saturday. And now tonight, the Michigan Wolverines. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, Jan... No, not January. What month is this, Pack? <laughs> we'll have time for screwing up. Close. We're close. <laughs> oh, I'll do that again. Hey there, it's Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. Joining me midweek, as he does every midweek, is our guy, Coach Pack Kilby. We want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch every single day to get your team. Well, uh, tonight or today on the show, we got to look ahead at this matchup with Michigan coming up tonight. We're going to recap the women's unfortunate loss in the Jumpman Invitational. But first, Pack, I want to tie a bow on the Ohio State victory from Saturday. An absolutely wacky and wild game, but a much-needed win over the Ohio State Buckeyes. Whew, sweating bullets on that one. And, and folks, just so you know, this Michigan game ends the non-conference schedule. So on next week's show, Pack and I are going to do a more in-depth non-conference breakdown and as we kind of transition into ACC play. But, um, Pac, one of the things, obviously, we've talked about the Ohio State game quite a bit on the show this week. But one of the, the first thing I want to get your take on is I thought one of the big things that really changed the tenor of the second half were the defensive adjustments that Coach Davis and the coaching staff made, both in terms of um, like full court press and, and other types of traps. I thought R.J. Davis had some really good on ball pressure, forcing a shot clock violation. You as a coach, as you're looking at, what, I just want your thoughts on how the defensive changes affected the outcome of this game. Sure. Um, you know, first of all, I thought the full court press was, obviously it was very effective. And I even saw some people going, why don't we do this all the time? <laughs> and as much as I would love for us to be able to do that, I don't think that's realistic because of our unproven depth. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, three three bench points in this game pack. Three. Right, yeah, which is crazy because the Citadel was, what, 42? Mm-hmm. So crazy drop-off. Obviously, differential in talent that we were facing. Sure, but, absolutely. But uh, still. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's inconsistency. And so we can't do that all game. But it was a nice touch in this game. And obviously, it caused Ohio State some problems. I thought it wore them down some. Hmm. And they started to become a little lazier with the ball. They started to miss some shots that – you know, maybe they were hitting early on. And then, you know, I thought in the half court, we did a better job of just not letting them get to the paint as much. And mm-hmm. like you mentioned, you know, RJ had had some good ball pressure. Um, and, and that wasn't just him. It was all of them. They sure, were pressing absolutely. the ball. They weren't, they weren't attacking uh, the middle of the floor as much. So we did a good job there. And I'll tell you what, I think our offense was a little sharper down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, now, it was far from perfect, but <laughs> we're not turning the ball over as much and shots are going in, which they were because we were overcoming a deficit. So we were scoring more than they were. And, you know, that's great math, Jack. Great math. Way to go. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> when that happens, <laughs> um, it's it's easier to play defense. I know that sounds like elementary or simple, but I'm just telling you, the more the ball goes in the basket, the easier it is to play defense. And I thought that helped us some down the stretch there. Man, that's so good. Yeah, it, it was a very encouraging thing to watch. Obviously, Carolina's defense is not currently at the same level of efficiency as its offense, uh, but we are obviously hopeful that that will continue to improve. We'd love to see Carolina uh, get just into the top 50 in defensive efficiency, uh, which they are not currently. Now, continue on, continuing on with the idea of the coaching staff and their impact on this game, one of the most interesting things to me was the final two seconds of the game, <laughs> which seems like, hey, that's not very long. But I think it says so much about this coaching staff's capability. Number one, you know, you, you talk about timeouts saved and, oh, boy, you're wasting your timeouts. They needed every one of those timeouts down the stretch. Brilliant move to call a timeout just to get that inbounds play to half court from Leaky to RJ. And then obviously another timeout there used to get the game tying shot to Pete Nance. The reason I want to bring this up, Pac, is, is not necessarily the job Hubert Davis did, but the type of leader that he is. Some coaches, some head coaches are very like firm grip. It's got to be me. I'm the guy. What does it say to you about his leadership style and his ability to trust his coaching staff that he let not only Jeff Lebo Come, like be the one to draw up the, the final play of regulation, but that he allowed him to go with this untested, unproven play for the game tying shot. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, you know, Jeff Lebo has over 300 wins as a head coach. Yes. Himself. And so, and it was a brilliant move in my opinion to, for coach Davis to bring him on the staff in yep. general, because yep. coach Davis didn't quite have that experience. So, it's awesome, you know, all, by all around, it's awesome opportunity for Lebo to come back home, and it's awesome for Hubert to have someone with so much experience on staff, and that alone develops that trust, right? Like, um, and they obviously those guys play together, so there's some trust there from from being teammates and mm. now coaching together, and the experience Lebo has. I'm, and I know that 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 wasn't something that Lebo had ran in the past. He he had said he had got it from another team that he had watched play. Penn State, yeah, yeah, Penn State. And so, but just the fact that he has that experience and he's able to say, "Wow, I like that," and he's able to store that away and then draw it up in the heat of the moment with two seconds left. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So, uh, just just the fact that they have that chemistry amongst the staff is yeah. awesome. Yeah, and you know, it's not just Coach Lebo, like. Uh, Coach Frederick does a lot of the game planning. And you can tell on the sideline, you watch him, he's standing up. Every time the other team's running like a baseline out-of-bounds play or something, you can see Coach Coach Frederick's up. He's telling the guys what's about to happen or what they're about to see. And then Coach Solomon has a has a huge say in the defensive game plan. So right. the staff, I mean, they they all do their part to to pitch in. And, and Coach Davis does a great job of trusting them and allowing them to do their job, which is – is why they, you know, they're such an effective coaching staff, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I think it says so much. Like, if I'm a player on a team with a coaching staff that trusts each other, it I feel like that frees me to trust them all the more and to trust my teammates all the more. Um, and and to that point, Pac, I want to get your reaction about this. I was listening to a podcast um, actually earlier today 
that Jay Wright was on, the former Villanova coach. And they were specifically talking about Carolina trying to work their way out of that four-game losing streak, work their way out of that rut. And I, and I wrote down his exact quote because I wanted to talk about it tonight. He said, this is something they have to go through together, meaning the Tar Heels, meaning the Tar Heels working their way out of their four-game losing streak. Coaches can't blame players. The players can't blame the coaches. We both have to take responsibility here. We both have to fix it together. And mm -hmm. I really resonated with what he said in that. And I think what you've just said about the coaching staff's willingness to coach, to trust each other works its way down to the players and their willingness to trust each other, which you see um, revealed like in the higher assist percentage right now, which you see revealed in Caleb Love being the leading assister in each of the last three games, this three-game winning streak. Coincidence? I think not. So from the teams that you've been privileged to be a part of, whether as player or coach, how how do you go about working out of ruts through tr trusting one another, whether it be player to player or player to staff or anything like that? Sure. Well, I mean, we all know whether it's it's sports or life or whatever, you don't really grow until you go through something, yeah. you know, and and this is an opportunity for growth. And I think leadership, good quality leadership points to that. You know, all of Carolina's goals, like we've talked about before, are still right in front of them. They're right in front of them. The NCAA. They can't go undefeated, man. What are we going to do? Come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a reason that hasn't happened in a really long time, right. you know. And so, and here's the deal. You know, all their goals are in front of them. Yeah. And great leadership is not going to allow finger pointing or blaming or you know, any of that stuff, whether that's the coaches or the players, and we have great leadership on both sides of the fence there, but great leadership is going to say they're going to come together and they're going to look at this thing and figure out what do we have to do mm -hmm. where we want to go. It's not a, our coaches got to do this or our players got to do this. It's what do we have to do collectively yeah. to get where we want to go. I know that's what those guys are doing. You know, we've seen that improvement the last three games. And it's the mark of good teams. It's the mark of veteran leadership. It's it's we. It's not individuals or it's not coaches versus players. It's we. So this team, they have that. And honestly, that doesn't really concern me at all. That the the chemistry or the argumentativeness or the frustration, whatever, that doesn't concern me with this team because of how tight knit they are and the coaching staff that we have. Okay, so I think that's something to very much keep an eye on is how does that off-court unity and trust bleed over into game action and how the players and staff trust one another. Let's continue to watch that develop this season. Well, pack from one Big Ten football powerhouse to the other, we'll preview UNC Michigan inaugural Jumpman Invitational in just a moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends from every professional and amateur league out there. From professional football to the college bowl season, basketball, and man, that wild World Cup that wrapped up on Sunday. They've got it all at Bet Online. Make sure you check out the line for tonight's game between Carolina and and Michigan. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, pack coming up 
tonight. We've got 7 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN, Charlotte, North Carolina, the second night of the inaugural Jumpman Invitational on Tuesday night. The Carolina women played the Michigan women. Not so good there. We'll talk about that later. And uh, then later on, Florida men and Oklahoma men played. And then they flip-flop for tonight, Carolina men, Michigan men. And then the nightcap is the Florida women versus the Oklahoma women, all teams that are sponsored by Jumpman. Now, Pack, as for the Wolverines, they're not off to a great start, but it's certainly not a bad start. They're seven and three. Their losses were all two ranked teams, Arizona State, Virginia, Kentucky. All of them are top 40 at Ken Palm right now. And Virginia and Kentucky are both top 11. And so, um, so no bad losses by any stretch of the imagination. The, the issue comes with, they don't really have any good wins either. They've, they've lost to every good team they've played this year. Their, their best win is Pittsburgh, who is 72nd at Ken Palm. Every other of their six wins are teams outside the top 144 currently at Ken Palm. So the question pack is, what do we make of Jawan Howard's team? Well, obviously, Hunter Dickinson is back. He's the leading scorer, just over 19 points a game. Jawan's son, Jet, is a stud freshman, um, kind of under underlooked coming into college, but is off to a great start. Another freshman, Doug McDaniel, has started each of the last two games in the backcourt. His first game as a starter had 15.7 assists. Good stuff there. Now, what's interesting is there's an article on ESPN right now as we speak, and the title of that is this. Even before the Jumpman Invitational, is Michigan season over? Woof. Uh, That's not what you want to be reading about your squad. Now, a lot of that is because some of their uh, more dialed in numbers as you get more into the weeds on it are not great. They they have a good offense like the Tar Heels. We talked pack just a minute ago about Carolina's defense needing to improve. Michigan's is like doubly worse than North Carolina's is. They struggle to rebound and they're not great uh, with turnovers either. So as you look ahead to this game on paper, some similar issues um, some similar, like not, not necessarily great wins other than now Carolina's Ohio state win, but it seems like Carolina has a leg up in this game. The question I want to ask you pack after all that setup is this, how did the Tar Heels build on what they did against Ohio state and on what they've done the last three games coming into this game against Michigan? Yeah. It, you know, to me, it's, it's focusing on what we do and things we can improve on. You know, there were times against Ohio State where I was like, wow, that's Carolina basketball. And then there were times where I was like, wow, that's junior high basketball. <laughs> and I want to see us be more consistent. And I'm not saying it has to be perfect for 40 minutes by sure. any means. But sure. Just cut down on the silly shots, cut down on the turnovers, be consistent on the defensive end. Like, just put 40 consistent minutes together. You know, if we do that, I think we have a leg up and almost every single game we play. Yeah. You know? yeah. But especially in this game with Michigan, I like the way we match up with them. You know, their stud is Dickinson. Well, our stud is Baycott. And I'll take our stud over Dickinson all day long, you know. And so While to me – keeping in mind that they know each other well. They played together in yep. AAU stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so I just like the way that I think Baycott, you know, wins that matchup, whereas most times when you play Michigan, you can go – uh, he matches up with Dickinson, you know, that that 
is in Michigan's favor. Well, in this time, you know, this matchup, it's not, in my opinion. And then um, obviously we have Leaky that we can put on, you know, whoever we need to on the perimeter, possibly even Jawan's son, like you mentioned. Um, and our guard play, you know, is is more veteran and, and, and better, in my opinion. So, you know, like you said, I, I do I do think that we have a leg up in this matchup. And I just hope we come out and exploit that and we do what we're supposed to do. Yeah, there's I think that's so many, there's sorry, there's just been no, so many times where I feel like we're gonna come out and take care of business and we don't, you know, we <laughs> lay an egg. And so I hope that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the matchup I'm excited to see. Last, last year the the Dickinson Baycott matchup didn't really materialize all that much. Dickinson was in foul trouble, only played 18 minutes. Um Baycott had a solid game, but it was Caleb Love who led the way in the Tar Heels absolute blowout of the Wolverines last year in Chapel Hill in the ACC Big 10 Challenge 72 to 51. And so I'm with you. I think that's the biggest takeaway is it's less about what's Michigan doing and it's more about Carolina just needs to play Carolina basketball to keep progressing on what they've already done and be wise, play what you said, Carolina basketball, not junior high basketball. uh, If we're just separating those two things. And I think you come out keeping in mind, this game is in Charlotte. So that you kind of, even though it's a, a neutral site for all four of these teams, the Tar Heels definitely have a big home court advantage they're um, playing in the home of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Packet, what's your gut tell you? I know you had just said, like, you expect Carolina to come out and take care of business in this game, but we've done that and been burned by it this year. Uh, what are you expecting from the Tar Heels? A close win, a big win, loss, close loss, blowout loss? What do you imagine in reality this will play out? You're tempting me to pull a pull a jinx right here and maybe <laughs> maybe predict a close win, but hopefully get a big one or something. But in all actuality, what I think will happen is I think that this will be a ball game for about a half. Mm. But I think Carolina will wear them down over the course of 40 minutes. And I'm gonna go out on a limb here and predict an eighty-two to seventy UNC win. Okay, 12-point advantage. The spread is Tar Heels by five. Who's Carolina's leading scorer in this one? Um, Baycott. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Baycott. I know he's matched up with Dickinson. I know that there's a risk of foul trouble, but I just think they struggle a lot with rebounding, and I think Baycott can feast in, you know, on that weakness yep. and get to the free throw line a lot and get a lot of second-chance points. So I'll go with Baycott. I love to hear it. Well, the, part of the reason the men need to get a big win in this inaugural Jumpman Invitational against Michigan is because they got to make up for what happened on Tuesday night with the ladies who unfortunately fell to the women Wolverines. So uh, this game, 76-68, honestly, it could have been a lot worse, Pac. They were they were down by, I think it was like 21 at one point in the in the first half <laughs> of the game. Where I want to start with this one is it feels like there's been several games this season where the Carolina women have gotten off to a slow start. And that was the case again in this one. Keep in mind, folks, if you don't uh, watch as many of the women's games, they play quarters rather than halves. So in the first quarter, Michigan outscored Carolina 35 to 20, 35 points in the first quarter. That's just insane. 
to me. But over the course of the final three quarters, Carolina led 48 to 41. But the thing is, you can't get blown out by 15 in the first quarter of the game. They've had some great comebacks this season, and, and they obviously did that, getting back to where they only lost by eight. But if you don't dig that hole, then, then you're in good shape. What, what do these ladies need to do to have better starts? You know, I, I don't know if this is right, wrong, or indifferent, but anytime <laughs> I've had a team that struggled with, man, we're like, we're slow to start the game or we're slow out of halftime or whatever it is, I've gone back and I've said, okay, what are we doing in practice? That Do we start practice slow? And that translates to the way we play our games. Mm. And so to me, you know, I can't say, I can't speak to that because I'm obviously not in their practice, but maybe that's <laughs> something they assess. And I'm sure the coaching staff is talking about that, but how can we practice every day getting fast starts so that translates to the way that we play? Um, to me, you know, that, and then obviously there's a mentality that goes along with it and just being mentally prepared to go from the tip and not wait until oh, shoot, now we're down 10? Okay, now we've got to do what we talked about doing in practice and go you know, make up for it. You know, and you, you can't do that at, at such a high level of basketball. So um, I guess you know those things are things they've got to figure out. Luckily for them, they've still got half a season left. So that's right. That's right. time to get those things corrected. Absolutely. The, the phrase I've been using a lot about a lot of teams this season is better days are ahead, certainly for the Tar Heels. One of, one of the issues is that Deja Kelly had just an off shooting night from the field. She was great from the free throw line, 11 for 13. I love her getting to the line that much, but just two for 13 from the floor. Now, most nights for the Tar Heels, they're going to be able to make up for that because they are such a balanced scoring team with four of the starters averaging in the 13 to 15 points a game range. But unfortunately, in this game versus, <clears throat> excuse me, Michigan, she just didn't have much help from the other ladies either. In fact, only one of the five starters shot over 50% in this game, and that was Anya Poole, who only took three shots and made two of them. Eva Hodgson was 5 for 12, Alyssa Uspi was 5 for 16, and Kennedy Todd Williams 4 of 11. And in fact, when you bring in the reserves, same kind of thing. Only Destiny Adams shot over 50% at 5 for 9. In fact, she was the only reserve that made a shot. Paulina Paris was 0 for 5, and Tiani Key was 0 for 2. Um, that, that's just, it, it's one of those nights, right? Like, th that happens in basketball where the ball doesn't always go through the net. Um, but unfortunately, it was a night where, for basically the entire team, the ball wasn't going through the net at a high enough clip. Um, one of the things, Pac, though, that I was encouraged by is that Paulina Paris, even though she didn't make a shot, the lone freshman on this team still um, played, I believe it was 16 minutes in this game. And so it, it's nice to see that um, coach Banghart's tr starting to trust her even more in some of these big moments against a ranked team. Um, here, here's the thing that I, I want to ask you about next is this was Carolina's fourth ranked opponent this season. One of the things I had said yesterday was that really wanted to see Carolina win this game, be three and one against those ranked teams. So as to solidify their top 10 status heading into non-conference play, it doesn't work out there that way. Although they still finished with two wins uh, against ranked opponents. One of whom is against the fifth ranked Iowa state cyclones at that time. And so um, you got to feel at least like, 
I say pretty good, really good about where you're at heading in to non-conference play. How do you readjust now that you've had a loss to end on conference play? You got nine days off before you host Florida State to start ACC portion of your schedule. What are what is your message to your team if you're Courtney Banghart? Well, I think you got to step back and look and say, okay, this is what we've done so far. This is where we need to improve. And, you know, it's just like you mentioned, you know, two and two, we've gotten two big wins. We've lost two to ranked opponents. That's okay. We've been battle tested. We've seen what we can do against the best of the best. And now we need to look at where we need to improve so that we can win those games, especially down the stretch. And so I'm sure the coaching staff and the players are going to take a step back and they're going to say, Hey, we got to have faster starts. Hey, we got to do this, you know, better defensively so that when the ball's not going through the net, we can still get enough stops that we can win or, you know, whatever it is that they've got to figure out, they can figure those things out. They can assess those. And then they, you know, they've got nine days. So I'm sure some of that's going to be time off recovery, Christmas, spend time with your family. 100%. Some of it's going to be, let's get better at this. Let's fix this. Let's correct this. And then same thing as the men's team. All of our goals are still in front of us. That's right. Let's go win the ACC. Let's go get us a one or a two seed in the tournament, set ourselves up for success, and then have a good NCAA tournament. So everything is still ahead of them, and I'm sure that they're they're going to look at that and improve what they need to and find themselves in a, in a good spot down the stretch. I, I completely agree with that, Pac. Like, this is, this is a veteran, confident team. Yes, they will be disappointed in the loss, but they will be proud of how they fought back. They're going to get that rest. They're going to figure some things out. And now you've got a very consistent schedule ahead. Um, I, I don't think you and I have talked about it, but I've mentioned it on the show. The, the women's ACC schedule is 18 games, and it's literally nine straight weeks of Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. And so you're able to get into a rhythm. The ACC has some great high-quality opponents they get to play and, and put stuff together with. And so I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm still all in on these ladies um, they've got two losses now, but both two ranked teams, as we've already said, and yeah, sure. They might fall out of the top 10 after this, but they can work their way right back into that. Really still excited about everything in front of this team. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode. Can't wait uh, for tomorrow. We're going to be able to recap the men's game against Michigan. And then coming up on Friday, great interview with Carolina linebacker Cedric Gray. Can't wait for you to hear that as you get ready for Christmas weekend. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Follow Pack at Coach underscore K23. And you can follow me at Isaac Shade. Would love for you to interact with us more through email. You can uh, send a message to the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. For your next listen, check out Locked On Sports Today. Biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. Locked On Sports Today, available on Odyssey, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Folks, don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and leave some comments on your thoughts on today's episode. We both, Pac and I, really appreciate you hanging out with us on a Wednesday. Maybe you're listening to us as you do some Christmas shopping. Got to go finish that off myself, Pack. I hope it's a Merry Christmas for you and the whole Kilby family. Can't wait to be back with you next week, buddy. Yes, Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas to the listeners. We'll see, we'll see you soon.
Yes, absolutely. Because you know what? It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Hey, until tomorrow. Peace.